When you talk about critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other, that's pretty much what it's going to, that's pretty much, I don't care what say, it's pretty much what it's going to all come down to. You're going to deliberately teach kids, this white kid right here got it better than you because he's white? You're going to personally tell a white kid, oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You're going to sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Uh, this, this, this is the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we're even talking about this right now. Wow, that was Ty Smith, a parent in Illinois. Wow, he's at a school board meeting, and this is, type of thing is going on across the country. Maybe not quite as strong and articulate as he is. He's amazing. But this whole thing related to critical race theory being taught in our public schools, it is the flashpoint of this whole racism thing that's going on. So uh, it's been a year uh, since, or over a year, since the George Floyd riots broke out. But it's shifted now from this very... Uh, public demonstrative display within our culture as as things were going on last summer to now where it's being battled within our public schools even over 5,000 public schools are already teaching critical race theory, which we're jumping in today related to the public schools, related to the church as well. And to help me unpack all of this are two distinguished guests, Gary McCallum. Thank you for joining us again for Insights. Thank you for having me. And Than Christopoulos, thanks for being with us again. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be in the studio, finally. <laughs> it's been yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah, Than is usually coming in remotely through Zoom, so awesome to have you right here, both yep. of you. Um, and uh, this is a, a huge topic that we want to try to at least hit some of the main main points. Before we jump in, I just want to remind people to remember to like, subscribe. Um, you can also find us on, in addition to YouTube, you can find us on, on Spotify and the Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So with that said, um, where do you, either of you, see this possibility of this critical race theory that this um, Ty Smith is so worked up about on the opening video? What, what, what do you, where do you see this popping up? For me personally, before I left my career to go into ministry. Um, and I'm not going to say what the Cor- place, corporation. Yeah, what corporation I was working uh-huh. for, just for legal reasons, obviously. <laughs> um, I had to go through a mandatory training for that. And I pushed it off and said, I don't want to take the training because I don't agree with what it's trying to instill. And I actually got away with it for a little bit because I was a top performer. <laughs> but eventually they were saying, you have to take it. And so I took the, the course and Lo and behold, I was being taught that, you know, white people are intrinsically in a position of authority and power and um, people of color are intrinsically oppressed and all this other stuff. Um, And so for me, at least, I saw it in my corporate world in a Fortune 500 company, and I was told I have to take the test and I have to take the course and pass the test. And so in order to pass, I was answering questions even related to transgenderism and all this other stuff that I had to answer correctly, even though I didn't believe those answers were correct. Mm-hmm. Which seems like an <clears throat> odd bedfellows. Here we're talking about uh, things more related to racism, white mm-hmm. supremacy, and all this kind of stuff. And then in there, 
Uh, they include transgenderism, and actually these do fit together with this whole agenda, and I hope that's part of what we get to today. There's a real agenda yep. that's going on with this kind of teaching, uh, and it's, it comes in different forms like sensitivity training, whether it's your employer or it's in the government and, and so forth. And maybe what we should do here first is define critical race theory, because this is at the heart of why you're hearing these terms, white privilege, and why you're hearing um, white supremacy. And, uh, you know, this is, this is the ideology that the whole social justice warrior uh, uh, mindset comes mm-hmm. from. So let me read that. Let's put it up on the screen for the, for the YouTubers. And this is from uh, the UCLA School of Public Affairs. And it identifies that the, in this definition that, that these power structures within culture are based on white privilege and white supremacy, which perpetuates the marginalization of people of color. Critical race theory also rejects the traditions of liberalism and meritocracy. Legal discourse says that the law is neutral and colorblind. However, critical race theory challenges this legal, quote, truth by examining liberalism and meritocracy as a vehicle for self-interest, power, and privilege. Critical race theory also recognizes that liberalism and meritocracy are often stories heard from those with wealth, power, and privilege. And specifically what they're talking about here, wealth, power, and privilege, is white people. And this is... um, Absolutely not true. Recently, I was listening to Ben Carson, the the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. He himself, uh, I think most of our listeners know that he's black himself, and he says he can't buy into critical race theory because it's not uh, about um, uh, uh, people of color being held down. He said, he himself coming out of poverty, he said that he did uh, do, he was a strong believer in God, he did what God believed, believe that following his ways is what God would honor and bless. And he did until he's on the president's cabinet. You know, yep. you know. I think of uh, Thomas Sowell, a top academic in the universities, um, who just helps bring clarity to this and many other issues in economics, a very articulate uh, uh, African-American scholar. I, I think of Larry Elder, who's uh, originally an attorney, but he's out in California with his radio broadcast, extremely well-known. He absolutely 100% argues against this, as did this Ty Smith, this medical mm-hmm. doctor in Illinois that we opened this this up with. So so anyway, that's the definition that 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 everything systemically, so in other words, the, the systems within America, all the structures, they're all about this idea of white supremacy or white privilege, and yet, and yet it's not that simple. It sounds, maybe on the surface, it sounds right, but I think even biblically, I think it's at odds with what we're, we're about as Christians. And so, um, Gary, uh, just share some of your thoughts. Well, even as you just mentioned about uh, the system being more geared towards white privilege, then how do you account for the blacks that have succeeded? Uh, you mentioned um, Larry Elder, who running for uh, governor of California, and the polls show that he's actually leading among the mm-hmm. others. And so if that's the case, how is he at that point? How is he ahead? How is he leading if uh, it's white privilege? And so I think that, uh, of course, yeah, th- this is a— assignment of the enemy to, as his job, to steal, 
to kill, to destroy, to divide. And notice what this does. It takes everything away from God. Mm. And it relies how's, solely how's, on... How's that? How is it taking everything away uh, from so God? It's, it's relying on my ability as an individual. So if I, I'm a Christian, I believe in God. I believe that what I will accomplish is a result of God's grace on me, God's assignment on me, mm. God opening doors for me. So I'm not necessarily relying on the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. I'm relying on my being a child of God. And trusting that he has a destiny for me, an assignment for me, a purpose for me. And what critical race theory says is that, no, God doesn't allow that. Race doesn't allow that. Mm. Or race does allow that. So I can't achieve what I want to achieve because of white privilege. Whereas as a Christian, I can achieve what I want to achieve. My trust is in God. My faith is in God. Whatever happens for me is because of God's divine assignment or destiny for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I I want to include here with that thought that it's so deceptive on the enemy's part because um, Vody Bauckham, who's mm-hmm. recently written and published this book called Fault Lines, it's all about this whole thing, critical race theory. But it's very deceptive in that in related to our faith because. Christians, as he talks about, they want to help people. They sniff something out that's sin, and racism is sin, Mm -hmm. and racism is a real issue in America. Mm -hmm. We're not denying that. We're saying it is, but we don't want to follow the path of critical race theory, which you can never get out from underneath this this guilt that it produces and the division that it produces. But but Vody Bakum is talking here about how good-hearted Christians start to buy into this, but it ultimately brings division. Now, where I'm really concerned, too, back to the public school arena, is, as I said a a few minutes ago, that this is being already taught in over 5,000 of the roughly 60,000 public schools in America. Um, We are now brainwashing our kids with this, and that's why you're seeing the outrage at these school board meetings in the last few weeks. So uh, it's important, it's imperative that in the church, as Christians, we understand what this is, and we need to unpack this a little bit more, but we need to understand how forcefully it's coming upon the whole nation. This is, again, the uh, issue of the hour because of how it's going to brainwash both the next generation of the public schools, but also within the church, if we say nothing within the church, if we do not provide leadership right now. So the National Education Association, um, with all of its you know, obvious cloud and long history and so forth, they recently came out with a statement that said, no, critical race theory is a, an appropriate and reasonable response. They're pushing it mm-hmm. within our entire public school framework. Mm-hmm. And yet we have all these people rising up saying, no, this isn't right. Um, and, and I want to unpack this a little bit biblically here in a moment. But before we do, uh, let's go to another quick, uh, quick clip. And th- this clip uh, is of Ian Rice, and he's from the state of Michigan, and he's a black parent uh, of a daughter in the public school system. And why he is so outraged at this school board meeting is because uh, his wife is white. And in his own words, he says, you're teaching 
my daughter that her mom is evil. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is absolutely wrong. So let's play that clip and then let's get back into this biblically why this doesn't make sense. More importantly, I came here to talk about critical race theory. This theory was never meant to be brought into grade schools, high schools, at all. It's actually taught in the collegiate atmosphere. And more importantly, the legal portion of the collegiate atmosphere. To see critical race theory is teaching that white people are bad. That's not true. That would teach my daughter that her mother is evil. Hmm. So again, wow, Ian Rice, very uh, articulate, clear, powerful. I wish we could play the whole clip. We'll have to put some links in the YouTube description uh, for people that want to look at the whole clip. I mean, this is stunning. Uh, how strong and clear these arguments are coming from African-Americans, which at first glance you might not expect, but I know this is being divisive in the African-American community. It's being divisive within uh, the white community. This is what critical race theory does. Wherever it goes, instead of the biblical paradigm, it replaces it with something else that I'll get to here in a second, and it always causes division. That's what we've got to understand, and it's very important. I think of um, within the church, I think of the Southern Baptist denomination. That's the largest Protestant de- de- denomination in America. And they're being divided uh, over this very issue. Why? Wherever critical race theory does, it doesn't bring out unity and love and good outcomes. It brings uh, it brings division and, and ultimately destruction, if it can. Um, the uh, I think of Crew, uh, their, uh, their U.S. national director uh, recently... Um, explained in his own words that crew is deeply divided in the context of that statement was over this very thing wokeism critical race theory all this kind of a, uh, all of this kind of thing and he said went on to say that that he believes that uh, that not only does it grieve his heart of what's happening in crew formerly campus crusade for christ but also it grieves God's heart. This is the kind of thing, if we're not detecting it, even within the church, it's going to have all kinds of, of bad fruit. Again, not that racism isn't a real issue, but this ideology uh, needs to go. Um, so, so let's talk about this in, in contrast um, uh, to the scriptures and ideology. And, and, and if I can just launch us off here... Um, Marxist ideology said that it says that everything's about the oppressed versus the oppressor. And that is what this whole white privilege narrative is all about. Um, and it tries to pit people against each other. So, um, so what did it replace? Well, the biblical paradigm, it is sin. We all have real sin. And yes, racism is a sin and it is real in America today. Um, but then it goes on in the scriptures to teach that there's sin, then there's forgiveness when somebody repents mm-hmm. of that sin. Mm-hmm. There is forgiveness both ways. And then we don't hold on to that sin. Therefore, we can be reconciled. We can move forward together. This is how the kingdom of God moves forward, is in love and unity and true reconciliation, where people were once enemies. They're now true friends. Mm -hmm. This is the biblical paradigm, but it's being replaced by critical race theory, where everything is about skin color. Everything is about uh, the oppressed versus the oppressor, which, again, uh, I can't emphasize this this enough. That is classic Marxist ideology. So on this topic, I want to quote this Christopher F. Rufo, and he is the founder and director of Battlefront, a public policy research center. 
he's got all these credentials. He, he's a graduate of Georgetown University and a former Lincoln Fellow at the Claremont Institute for the Study of Statesmanship and Political Philosophy. He's the executive director at the Document Documentary Foundation. He has directed four PBS films, including most recently America Lost, which explores life in Youngstown, Ohio, Memphis, Tennessee, and Stockton, California. And it goes on, on from there. But he, what he highlights here is that the Marxist scholars in the 1960s were having a real problem because it's supposed to be in Marxism the class warfare where the poor, the working class, rise up against the uh, the landowners or the, the bourgeoisie, and the, they're supposed to create this revolution, and, and it's having this huge problem in America because there was this burgeoning middle class and people were making basically making too much money across the board Mm -hmm. and so forth but then he gets to this he gets to the heart uh, of some of what i'm trying to say here and that is um and i'm quoting him rather than abandoning their leftist political project marxist scholars in the west simply adapted their revolutionary theory to the social and racial unrest of the 1960s abandoning marx's economic dialectic of capitalists and workers, they substituted race. So no longer are they about mm-hmm. class warfare. Wow. They just want to shift it to race warfare. Mm-hmm. So Gary and I, you and I can hate each other based right. on our skin color. Mm-hmm. That That is their exact, yeah. exact strategy. Obviously, uh, you know, with uh, uh, Jesus saying that Satan comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's what this is after. Mm-hmm. He wants us to hate each other, that we we begin to rise up against each other right. to right. kill and destroy. And it goes on to say, or he goes on to say, and they sought to create a revolutionary coalition of the dispossessed based on racial and ethnic categories. And so... Um, there's just so many sticking points here as we look at where Jesus would want to lead us and where this ideology is leading us. And um, I think that uh, if Jesus is our example and he came to demonstrate to us uh, how we're supposed to live as children of God on the earth, I think that we have to then follow his example. Um, Jesus said on one occasion, so you have the Jews who were not in dealings with the Samaritans. And the scripture says, Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. I've got to go through Samaria. There's something that I have to demonstrate. There's something that I have to uh, show as it relates to dealing with uh, other nationalities, dealing with those that we have disregarded. And so I think that uh, as you talked about sin and forgiveness and reconciliation, uh, I think that we must follow the example of Jesus, not just quote scripture, but then live the scripture that we're quoting. And, and when, when you look through the Bible that, uh, so you had the Jews, you had the uh, Gentiles, you had the Samaritans, you had the Romans. And so you had all of those uh, different races, so to speak. Uh, and Jesus showed us how you deal with, how you uh, relate and how you have uh, the God kind of heart and mind when it comes to dealing with different races. And I think that we're living in a society now where, uh, again, as I said earlier, we've been pulled away from following God's plan and God's design and even almost eliminating God from the picture totally. 
Mm-hmm. Right, and that's scary. Linking that back to Marxism, Marxism wants us to eliminate God yes. from the equation mm-hmm. totally. That Marxism sees any religion as the opiate of the people. Again, classic yep. Marxist ideology. So what's really interesting is even if you just look at history, at the start of the Christian church, we have we have documentation even of Christians that were following Christ, preaching the gospel, getting crucified upside down by the Romans, being oppressed by the Romans. And yet the church continually kept preaching the gospel and eventually by some sort of miracle of God's work, the Romans actually took in the Christians and embraced the faith and no, no longer was Nero God, mm-hmm. right? Christ was God. Christ was king. And I think that's in of itself is a historical example of God's power in overcoming these um, different types of identities at the end of the day, um, whether it's race, mm-hmm. sex, um, whatever it might be. Critical theory in general is not a good mix because it separates rather than unites. And you can see the reconciliation of God's yes. power mm-hmm. within history itself. Mm-hmm. I think just in summary, I want to say we have to be very careful right now in our nation who is leading us. And I even want to say very specifically leading us in the church, because I'm afraid in the church we're listening to these voices. I just mentioned the Southern Baptists uh, a a few minutes ago, as well as crew. These are massive, uh, traditionally solid Christian uh, uh, ministries, denominations. You know, I mean, we need to be very careful about who's leading us and where they are are taking us. Now, I'd said about a year ago, but I think I want to highlight it again, that um, in a 2015 interview, the the primary leader up until recently of Black Lives Matter is Patrice Cullors, and she said, Mm -hmm. we are trained Marxists. You know, we need to be very careful here. Like, we're, we're not just trying to add some sort of goodness from this critical race theory idea. We're not just trying to add some goodness there to the gospel that we already believe in in the scriptures. No, this is antithetical. And we need to understand this in terms of who's leading us. And I I want to talk again, you know, we're always warning the nation on different topics like this one, but I want to talk about how to respond in faith as believers. Like, what do we think here? Like, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like, we cannot just allow this to run its course. Like I said earlier, our public school children are being brainwashed. This is going to be a massive uh, disaster if it's not corrected uh, soon. And the church should be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, what, what do we do? Well, I think you're correct. We, we have to respond in faith. And what's happening is the response is emotional. And to respond in faith, so they're different faiths. Mm-hmm. I may believe one thing based on how I interpret Scripture. Someone else believes it differently. So now which faith do we respond in? And so I think that, we, that the church has to get to a point to where it's unified. It has to get to a point to where it has one mind, one voice, uh, one direction, and I don't think that the church can respond to something where it's not unified on yet. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we, we, we have to get, so that means that the church may have to get together leadership and talk about where are we with this issue mm-hmm. so that then when we come out of the boardroom, we are unified as to how we feel 
about this issue, but because the leadership is divided, mm-hmm. the body's divided, which makes those that are looking at us not sure as to whether or not they want to follow us. Yeah, it's so with unity within the church, I, I, I mean, I just appreciate how practical you're being, Gary. Like, get down to brass tacks, the nitty-gritty, yes. in your elder board meeting at your church and talk about what actually is going on. Because we all want, you know, in, in the body of Christ, we all want this unity thing. Right, yeah, let's right, make a big right. tent. Mm-hmm. But if you're lo- allowing Marxism yes. under the big tent, that is a deal breaker. That's a huge issue. Absolutely. We're going to be destroyed. Like, we we got to not just circle up around unity because we all want, want to be happy. Right. Uh, we need to focus on the truth of what Absolutely. Jesus said, Absolutely. what the mm-hmm. Bible yes. Uh, teaches, and then once we understand that, then we can be unified on God, on right. His truth, on His purposes. And I actually believe that part of the body of Christ's practical mission right now is to expose Absolutely. what is yes. going on with a godless ideology, Marxism, mm-hmm. how it's crept in now into the church, how it's trying to be taught throughout all of our public schools. Like, this is the moment for the church to step in and say, stop, wait a second. This this is like a Trojan horse. It looks right. like we're right. onto something really good. We're going to stop racism, but what's being imported is right. only going to destroy us. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, very practical, Gary. Thank you. And um, and I got to get back to you here in a second, Gary, but Than, go ahead. Um, I actually really agree with Gary here. Um, one, if you've, you've seen my videos at least, but you've probably heard of a pastor named Brandon Robertson. And he's a yeah, very... only from your videos, but oh, okay, he's an interesting enough. guy. Yeah, he's a super progressive, progressive Christian. We'll just okay. call him there. With a huge he, following. Yeah, with a huge following, about 300,000 followers right now. Um, and he denies the divinity of Jesus. Like, there's so many more issues, obviously, mm-hmm. rather than right, right. some of the things he's talking about. I consider him a heretic. But um, he preaches his critical race theory stuff mm. and then claims the name Christian. And so not only do we have to expunge these things from the local churches right, that we're part right. of. But we as a church have to unify not only on the local level, but on the national level to do something about a lot of these false teachers going around. Yes. Um, there's too many of them. And then the people outside of the church are going to look at the two contrasting Absolutely. things, calling themselves Christians, right. and they're not going to know what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it seems to me like we need to unify on a local and national level, but then also fight against the false teachers to let the non-believers know what is actually the truth when it comes to the Christian faith. Yeah, thanks, Than. Very helpful. Now, Gary, what advice do you have as a black man, a leader in the church— for white people. Like, what can I do and not do? And let me just set this up, okay? So recently, I just want to say, within the last two weeks or so, I spoke to a mixed crowd, and I was trying to expose some of this. This wasn't even the main point of my message, but I I was using it as a point, meaning I was addressing um, what's going on right now uh, through uh, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, but especially, you know, what we're talking about here, that the, this is really moving into public schools. Yes. Okay, and I said, I'm not supposed to say this because my skin color is white, but I'm going to say it anyway. Mm. <laughs> so that, I mean, but you know, there's that book out there, White Fragility, like if mm-hmm. I don't completely line up with this narrative that the media seems to love and all this stuff that, that we 
base everything on skin color. My skin color is white, so I'm a bad person. Any other skin color is great, you know? Like, I just don't believe that's what the scriptures teach. So I was talking about this, but I had to preface it with, you know, I am not really allowed to talk as a white person. So what would you say to, um, whether it's me personally or the white church in general, like, what can we do to help because racism is a real issue? Wow, well, that's, that's a loaded question. Well, as a black person, I think that what needs to happen is there has to be the forming of relationships. So you and I have formed a relationship where we can talk about sensitive issues and we not get sensitive towards one another about it. And I think that as a black person, I think that we first have to educate our own people. We have to talk to them about reality, what we're being told to believe, how we're being told to feel, as opposed to talking about what we need to feel. And so when, when you look at this, we, uh, n- for a long time, blacks have been told what to feel, uh, how they should feel, what they need to do. And we've never had the ability to sit down and discuss how we feel or how we should feel. Uh, Relationships have to be built. And I think that the more that relationships are built, the more trust that then uh, is is elevated so that when attacks come or when uh, other issues come, man, I'm able to sit down with someone. I heard this. how do we feel about this? How should we feel about this? Mm-hmm. And then we're able to then talk about it. So you didn't feel as a white person you should talk about it, but I should be able to bring you in as a white person and talk to my group because of the relationship and the trust issues and the conversations we've had that I can trust you to mm-hmm. speak to my group based on their trusting me and based on our relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, first, you know, easier conversations within any ethnicity, but then, as you're saying, we've got to be comfortable enough, and I want to emphasize this, within the church. Like, within if you church. and I can't talk about yes. it, where in the world are we ever going to see right. this yep. resolved right. or, or get get remedied? Um, that We need to have these conversations, uh, teaching, uh, prayer times together within the body Absolutely. of Christ where we're actually making progress. And again, where I'm so concerned is that the church isn't even first just talking within about this within their same within ethnic their same group, right, right. but then they're not talking to each other. And if we don't do this, there will be no leadership from within the body of Christ, the very thing that God called us to do. And I believe that if if this happens within the church, uh, and, and prayerfully it will, that a lot of these other voices that are so dominant right yes. now, um, critical race theory being taught within the universities, often, by the way, by white right, university right, professors, right. blacks as well. But I'm just saying, like, this is, this is again, I believe a Marxist thing being snuck in. Um, so anyway, there's, there's just not going to be the leadership that, that is, uh, that's necessary. In the, I believe a lot of these other voices would uh, be on the defensive at the very least, but possibly even just kind of fade away. But it requires God's people actually doing what God is telling us to do. And uh, Than, I'm guessing you have something to throw in here. One, one of my, my, you know, Jalen, but um, my best friend is a black man. Mm-hmm. And 
him and I talk about this stuff all the time, and he actually brought up exactly what you said is because um, my wife is white, and she's kind of gained that. I don't know what the right word is, but the right, I guess, yeah, whatever you want to say, yeah. to speak into the issues mm-hmm. with my friend Jalen, because Jalen and I have such a good relationship right. that my wife now, he because he trusts me, he trusts my wife, and we all have these hard conversations together. Right, right. But because right. Jalen knows at the end of the day that my heart, at the end of the day, loves him. He's my Absolutely. brother. Yeah. I'd take a bullet for the guy, mm-hmm. multiple bullets for the guy, mm-hmm. right? And... It all starts with these relationships, just like you said, too. If we can't talk about this amongst ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ, how are we going to talk to the Gentiles? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It needs to happen. And Mm -hmm. I'm... Gentiles mean those outside of the body of Christ. Um, And so... Sorry. Anyway, go ahead. Um, And so, to me, I don't know. I'm just frustrated by the lack of communication and a lack of relationship. And this can go down a rabbit hole of... Mm-hmm. church structure in general and how we've missed the mark on community and all this other stuff but I, mean, I don't want to go down that route um so yeah this is me just echoing what you said i completely agree and i think we we we're so as christians we're supposed to function from the inside out yep mm-hmm. but for the most part we function from the outside and eventually we may get to the inside mm-hmm. but we're supposed to be led by God mm-hmm. who lives in us, and so we're supposed to function from the Spirit of God in us, so from the inside out, but we're not, we're not See, living to that degree. Speaking on the, uh, ins- about the inside, um, can you just uh, give us a, a, a summary or whatever of 1 Samuel 16, 7? Yes. Um, uh, God said that I don't look at the outward appearance of man. I'm not moved by how good they look, how tall they are, how built they are. What matters to God is the heart. Mm -hmm. God looks at the heart because that's the uh, important part of man. That's the part that God cleanses. That's the part that he renews. He said, I'm going to take out your stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. And so God wants to look at our, so the heart has to do with the motives. It has to do with your intentions. Mm -hmm. And so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever I speak is a result of what's in my heart. Mm -hmm. And so that's the part that God wants to look at. That's the part where uh, he measures us according to our heart. So I can meet you and not know anything about you, but I man, you got a good heart. And then the more I recognize you have a good heart, man, the more I begin to see the real Dave, because that's the real you, the heart issues. I cannot hear hear this, what everything you just said, without saying this sounds an awful lot like Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) every every person I know that has studied that era of history— respects Martin Luther King Jr. And he he said it this way. I mean, it's his famous quote. He said that he longs for the day when man is not judged by the color of his skin, but the content of his character. What's on the inside? This is like, you know, you totally nailed it from a biblical perspective, as did Martin Luther King Jr., you know, putting in his own words, mm-hmm. but this is where we win. And this is uh, this is awesome, but it requires, you know, 
speaking of how the church should respond, I think we have about a dozen or two lessons we could learn from Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. right now. And it's a very different era, and we're we're having different battles. But he was on to the heart, the the content of the character, that we can change this thing. And and if the church says nothing, we will never get there. It is our hour. It is our time to respond in faith. It is our time to make a difference. Well, thanks both of you for for joining uh, us here on Insights for um, this uh, just just engaging conversation. There's so much more we can do. But with that, we are calling it uh, good for today, and I look forward to being with you next time on Insights.